Hi, everyone, and welcome to Strive's How You Lead Matters podcast, where we discuss everything leadership. From tapping into your motivation to fueling your program with grit, we are here to support you with the charge to develop leaders. My name is Caroline Lettner, and I am the marketing manager here at Strive. On today's episode, I am sitting down with founder and CEO of Elite Mindset, Dr. Julie Amato. Dr. Julie is a sports psychologist, former D1 basketball player at Brown University, and currently spends her time supporting athletes, coaches, and more as they work to achieve their best performance. All right, we are here with Dr. Julie, and I am incredibly excited to speak with you today, really just because of the amount of experience and knowledge that you bring to our Coach's Corner and beyond with all of, all of the things that you have done. Um, so I can't wait to get into a conversation with you on GRIT today. Woo, all right. Well, thanks for having me, Caroline. I'm excited. No problem. So one of the things that I personally was interested in is I was a psychology major in college when I went to Franklin and Marshall. Um, And a lot of people have the question of like, you know, what are you going to do with that? So when you left the world of sports and you went back to school to pursue your doctorate, did you always know that you were going to stay in athletics somehow? No, I didn't know. (laughs) And it's so funny how that vision can evolve over time. But like you, I mean, getting an undergraduate degree in psychology, it was really like, oh, wow, what do I do with this? So I'm going to have to go to graduate school, I guess, and, and become a psychologist. That sounds like a good plan. And initially, the first 10 years of my career, actually, my focus um, and specialty area was forensic psychology. So I was working in federal prisons and in courthouses and evaluating offenders um, and testifying in court and those kinds of things. So I was pretty far away from working with athletes to start out actually. Yeah. Yeah. So what keeps you in the world of athletics then? Because you definitely, you jumped around a bit. What kept you back to it? Yeah. So, I mean, of course, sport was always on my mind. I'm passionate about sports. I grew up playing sports all my life, going back to my alma mater at Brown, and you know going to alumni events i always sort of thought like oh it would be so cool to work in athletics and in an athletic department and it just seemed really fun and like a cool culture and environment and i think what ended up happening for me is that um i had twins so i'm walking around a federal prison and i'm like 32 weeks pregnant with twins and inmates are holding doors for me and things like that and i pretty much came to the conclusion that maybe it was time to shift gears and pursue a part of psychology that I've always been curious and fascinated by, which is working with athletes. And it felt a little more family friendly in terms of my career to be closer to home, be in a you know safer environment, if you will. And, um, and yeah, it was just kind of like this gnawing little itch that I I have always had and I I just felt like I needed to challenge myself and do something different, something that I felt really passionate about. So I shifted gears. I got a job at a college counseling center just to try to get experience with that population. And right away, they started to send me all their athletes because everyone knew that I was a former athlete. And it it stoked the fire for me right there. I was like, I just want to work with the athletes. I really want to really find this niche and focus area. So I really kind of... Um, you know, got some mentorship around that, read a lot of books, 
um, did a lot of observing and, and started to work with teams and observe other sports psychologists and you know, kind of got to this place where I realized I think I'm really suited to do this work. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Wow. Now, I think some people go into different fields depending on their experience. So I know a lot of coaches that coach because they wanted a specific type of coach when they were growing up and maybe they didn't have it. Or you have people that are like, I had this incredible coach and I want to be that when I grow up. Do you identify as one or the other there? Did you get into sports because of the mentors that you had or did you see a gap that needed to be filled? Yeah, uh, and both. I mean, I really feel yes and both. Um, so I, I love sports and I've played sports all my life and I've watched sports all my life. And so for me, that was an easy fit. And I feel like having played sports gave me instant credibility with the athletes. But also as an athlete myself growing up, um, yeah, there were times where I felt pressure or struggle and there weren't really resources available at the time for athletes, you know, people with specialized knowledge to kind of recognize and help someone through some of those mental struggles. And so for me, I always thought like, ah, oh, it would have been so cool if I did have somebody like a sports psychologist to work with during those times where I felt like overwhelmed by pressure, yeah. um, you know, that I experienced. So I, I, I do, it's and in both. I, I really mm -hmm. felt like compelled by and inspired by just sport in general. And, and athletes are my people, sports are my first language. So that was that piece. And then, yeah, I think they're understanding there was a void or a demand for that. And I think it's a growing field. I know it's a growing field and it's one that has become, you know, almost at every college they're having a sports psychology presence. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. And I think like when you talk about the differences between the world of sports when you were in it and what it looks like today, one of the biggest differences we see is in this word grit um, that I wanted to talk to you today about. Um, Strive uses the um, definition adopted from Dr. Duckworth of grit as passion and perseverance towards a long-term goal. But I think a lot of people either make up their own definitions or perceive it slightly differently. I think previously grit was like literally getting gritty and, and grinding your teeth together and rubbing some dirt in it. So how do you perceive grit today? What is your definition? Yeah, I mean, it would be hard to argue with Angela Duckworth's definition <laughs> of research. She's done so much work around this area, really compelling work. And, and yeah, I do think that having um, passion for something can be the fuel, right? So it's like, I see it as maybe grit is persisting even when you don't feel like it or even when it's hard, mm -hmm. you know, so, so maybe a synonym is mental toughness. Okay. You know, really trying to be disciplined and do those things you need to do every single day, even when you don't feel like doing it. Um, and, I, and I think Angela Duckworth, you know, talks a lot about that. Like, you know, talent is really important, but, you know, you can be talented, but not have the habits or the persistence and perseverance to do what's required all the, all the time. Um, and that's kind of what sets people apart, you know, and I think that comes from having something you're really, really passionate about or a really important goal that you want to achieve. 
Yeah, yeah. I think something that we see we are seeing today in the world of sports is this idea of mental toughness, but it's changing slightly. Like we're seeing we're seeing things that we saw in the tennis world where people are are reframing what mental toughness may mean and when you may yeah. have to take a step back. So what do you see as some misconceptions perhaps of the word grit or of the word mental toughness that you would want to challenge today? Yeah, I think the old school mentality about, yeah, like you said, grind your teeth, push through, suck it up, you know, stop complaining, like toughen up, don't be soft, all of that stuff. Um, it feels a little outdated and unrealistic, you know, and I don't think that's the world that we live in. So first of all, I think athletes today are facing different kinds of challenges that are really unique. I did not grow up in the world of the internet and social media. So I didn't have, you know, that microscope on me that a lot of these athletes have now, you know, in real time, getting people weighing in on their performances. You know, as you mentioned with the tennis world now in Osaka, asking to say, hey, I'm, I really would prefer not to do post-game interviews. Um, so to your point, yeah, I think some of the way it's changed is, Yes, it's still good to push through difficult things. I think that's admirable. But I also think we're recognizing and getting to a place where we have a richer understanding that sometimes you have to say, I can't do that right now. Mm -hmm. And there's courage in saying, hey, I need a break or you know, I need some help with this. I think in the past, athletes would not admit if they were feeling anxious or depressed and you know, that would be to their detriment over time because you can't just always push through. Sometimes you actually need to work on it or to get some help. Yeah, and I think I loved how you said like the idea of a break. I think so frequently we see athletes that are prescribing to that old idea of mental toughness and then they hit a breaking point and it's not just a break, it, it's the end. They, they hit a roadblock and they can't get through it because they weren't able to take those moments. Um, it makes me think of kind of how Strive talks about the power of yet. You know, like I need a break because I'm not there yet, but that's very different from I've broken down. And now I can't do anything. And, and at Strive, we talk about that a lot. Like we are all athletes to some extent and we all care about winning. Like I will not lie that I was a gym class hero, 100%. Like I, we're playing badminton, I'm winning it, whatever it is. Like I want to win, I care about winning. And I also might need a break sometimes. And I also might need to step away for a moment, but it is not the end. And I think that that's a really a really important distinction for people to see is it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. That's the power of and here. Um, yeah. That's powerful to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, also to your point, I mean, you can be really, really competitive, um, but you also need to have perspective. And mm -hmm. so I think too, it's really important, you know, to compete and strive and to want to win and be successful, but also, not be so decimated and devastated if that doesn't happen and understand, you know, to get to where you need to be. Sometimes you are going to lose, you are going to fail, you know, those kinds of things are going to happen, but we don't need to catastrophize that. Um, and so I think that too is, is a really fine line, <laughs> you know, to be competitive, but not so consumed by outcomes and results that impacts your whole mood and your whole day. Yeah. So you may already be answering this question, but um, just like looking at some of the work that you do with Elite Mindset, um, you use the word slump a lot. I think it's cool. Everyone in the athletics world has their own vocabulary. Um, yeah. so, so I caught on to that word slump and I was curious, um, 
like when we when we think about the slumpiest of times that might be me making up a word um what are some of the strategies if you can share for people to get out of those slumps to maintain that perseverance or that perspective and perseverance um and get out of that on the other side what are some strategies that you recommend to the people you work with yeah i mean like a slump a funk you know feeling <laughs> stuck i mean however you want to say it there are times when you know, athletes or any of us like have a period of time where they're just not at their best and they're not performing well. And then overthinking sets in and um, then it's like, oh, I really have to get a hit this time. And all that extra pressure, you know, makes it less likely for it to happen. And so the slump continues and the cycle continues. So I think oftentimes, you know, working with a sports psychologist is helpful for that because you try to get at the root of, of what's going on. Um, so there are some, you know, hack the weed down strategies you can arm an athlete with like, okay, you know, visualize or take a few breaths. So, you know, there's some techniques and strategies, but ultimately you want to understand like, what's going on? Like, why are you so impacted by this? Why are you so upset? Why are you struggling so much? What's going on? And oftentimes it's, you know, fear of disappointing others or, um, you know, it, it can also be caused by overly focusing on the result. Okay. And so some of the things that I really try to help athletes with is number one, like letting go of what other people think about you. That's distraction that gets in the way of peak performance. Yeah. Right? So if, if we could all let go of that, we'd all live happier lives by the way. That's like, that's like our life's work, right? It's not um, that easy, you know? No, it's not that easy, but it is something that if you're really intentional about, you can get better at, you know, and it involves defining your own core values and making decisions in alignment with that and, and kind of being compassionate toward yourself and reframing what failure is. It's like, okay, you're going to mess up sometimes, whatever, you know, you got to just let that go and, and keep trying. That's where I think grit and resilience and those things come in but i think one of the biggest mistakes athletes make and, and what causes slumps oftentimes is you know just being preoccupied with the result mm. and too overly focused on the result um winning or losing or getting a hit or making a shot right when you do that your body gets too tense and tight and your mind is not on the actual thing you're trying to do you yeah. know so you're not focused on the process you're preoccupied with a result and that just creates all kinds of tension and pressure so i think the other part is just really teaching athletes how to keep their minds in the present mm. and stay focused on what you're doing and let the result flow from that and instead of thinking so much about the result that's a really good way to put it but i think it's interesting when we think about the definition of grit you know it includes that long-term goal it includes that result piece so yes do you recommend people to kind of have a zen aspect or a zen outlook on it and and like you said be in the present or is it about maybe focusing on the wrong types of long-term goals or both well i think it's important to have goals i think goals can be really useful in that it gives you a direction you yeah. know something that you want to do something you want to accomplish and it can be the inspiration when you wake up and you don't feel like working out, it's like, okay, but I want to run in the Olympics. So I have to work out today. Or, you know, I really want to compete for a national title. So I really need to put in the work, but I do think, I don't want to say set it and forget it as it relates to goals, but I think you need to have the goal, but your focus in your day-to-day -day life needs to be on the process, mm -hmm. the little tiny habits and steps 
small little chunks, you know, not the big elephant, just the tiny little chunks of things that you need to do to get there. Um, and so it really becomes about, yes, of course we care about result. Of course we care about that. I'm not saying we shouldn't care about it. I'm just saying we shouldn't put all our attention on it because it's not helpful. Yeah, I think it's also understanding that those mistakes are part of the process towards that goal. You know, there was um, Coach Bell who we had on last week and you, you know, well, she, she helped me through, I think it was about two weeks ago, I had a virtual session that I was running with some high schoolers and it just did not go well. It was just blank screens, blank stares, crickets anytime I was asking a question. And, and I came to the meeting the next day really frustrated with myself. I still definitely have that athlete perspective of like, I focus on those mistakes and I get really fixated on them. And Bell really helped me reframe it as like, that was a step towards the goal. It did not feel like it, but that mistake helped you to realize, all right, next time I need to do this. And next time I need to adjust this. And, and now you can get further towards it. And so I think the way that you frame, like, all right, set this goal, but then understand the process towards it. And that process is not always going to be linear and that's okay. Um, there, there's a big focus on feeling like, oh, I made a mistake. So now I went backwards on that line, but that, that yeah. line never really existed in the first place. <laughs> well, high school kids are a tough crowd. First of all, I don't envy, <laughs> I don't envy that session. Um, but you mentioned Angela Duckworth, who's a giant in our field, but Carol Dweck is a giant in our field yes. and it's all about growth mindset and, you know, understanding and being curious. And, you know, Kobe Bryant was really big on this with his Mamba mentality. It's like, I play basketball because I'm curious and I want to learn things. I want to see, you know, figure stuff out, see how good I can get. And, and so when you're oriented that way, you're not as preoccupied or worried about getting it wrong. You're mm. worried about learning something. You're not worried about looking bad. You're worried about like going after it to see what you can figure out. And I think when we get our athletes to have that kind of mindset where, you know, everything's an experiment, everything is like something to try. Um, and everything is feedback. Like you said, anytime that you, you know, Hey, that didn't go well. Okay. That's feedback. Yeah. I need to really like, I need to tinker with this presentation a little bit. Um, or Hey, like an hour for high school kids. No, no, no. 15 minutes is the sweet spot, but tell them it's a half hour and then you end in 15 minutes and you win. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, that's, that's a great point by Belle. She's got a lot of wisdom. She does. She does. We're happy yeah. to have her. And I yeah. think, I mean, it, you see it everywhere. My, my experience prior to Strive is I was teaching third grade and, and I mean, similar to collegiate athletes, nine-year-olds are also scared of making mistakes and don't want to yeah. be in trouble. And so you see it across spectrum. You see it when you're nine years old, you see it when you're 28, you see it when you're 55, like it's everywhere. Um, but I think understanding and embracing mistakes is is huge. And in order to get our athletes in that mindset, what do you feel coaches can do to help athletes get out of a slump that might have been caused by fixating on that goal or fixating on a mistake? Yeah. I mean, I think too, coaches are really valuable in this because I know a lot of coaches tell me like these kids, they aren't as tough as they used to be. And <laughs> why do they need to get their confidence and reassurance from me? And they should get it from themselves. And all of that is true in a sense, um, but at the same time, there's nothing quite like reassurance as an antidote for somebody who's struggling, you know, with anxiety or who's in a slump. 
Um, you know, so I, I think even the best athletes who are the most confident go through periods of time where, you know, it's not going well and the shot isn't falling. So getting that little reassurance from coach or from a teammate, like, Hey, like, you know, keep shooting. Like we trust you is huge. I mean, that could change everything for an athlete. Then they do keep shooting. They feel like the pressure is off all those stories they created in their mind that everyone's mad at them, that they're not doing well. Uh, are neutralized and then all of a sudden you might see somebody be able to to perform better so I think for coaches too it's you know they want to tiptoe around an athlete who's in a slump and they don't really know how to approach it but maybe just having a conversation like hey are you okay is there something going on because there might be there might be something that's going on off the court or off the field that's affecting an athlete too so I think coaches just caring about the athletes asking them how they're doing and reassuring, reassuring them like, hey, like we believe in you, like it's gonna come, stay patient, you got this, you know, that kind of stuff can be really helpful and can shake something loose or change the narrative or self-talk that athletes having about what's going on. Yeah, and I think it, it's maybe surprising to coaches when you do sit down and have that conversation to realize what the self-talk is for that athlete. I know for myself, I'm an assistant coach with a, a club team here. Um, and our keeper is incredible. She's younger than the, the whole group and she is just an absolute star. And everyone just assumes that she knows that about herself. And there was one day where she was having a tough time. And so I had that conversation with her and she kind of shared some of the things that she says to herself. And I was astonished. I was like, you, you think these things about yourself? Do you see your playing? Do you see your ability? But but so frequently, especially like you said, with social media, with all this stuff and just with the hormones and everything else going on with young adults, like they might not realize their ability. They might not realize that and they might not be talking to themselves in the way that you assume that they are. So, yeah, I think those conversations are so powerful and might really give the coaches some insight into, into what's happening in their athletes' heads. A hundred percent. And I, I do think it's a, it's a game changer for so many athletes to get that positive feedback and encouragement from their coach. And you don't want to say things that aren't true. You <laughs> want to say things that are true to the athlete. Um, they don't just need a pat on the head like they're a dog, you know, give them feedback that's specific and positive and avoid being overly critical in a emotional way. No athlete likes to be screamed at. Very few. I mean, there might be a couple who are conditioned that way. So they think it's weird when someone doesn't scream at them, but they are few and far between. Most people don't like being humiliated or screamed at. So just understanding too, that the way you speak to your athletes uh, is really important. And so trying to identify and show them success and what success looks like and when they're doing well and then refraining from being like overly harsh. Now, certainly you need to critique an athlete, but there are ways to do that that don't undermine their confidence as well. Yeah, and I think I think the point about like the overly emotional thing, like we want our athletes to care. We want our athletes to show that they are invested in the game, you know, but as coaches, same way as when I was teaching, like we need to model the way you want to show them that. And so the, the joke in the teaching world is the teacher that screams at their class to be quiet, you know, like, well, you're loud, so I'm gonna be loud. <laughs> like, I'm not listening to you because all I'm hearing is yelling. And, and I think we see that with coaches sometimes with the best of intentions because you're passionate and you care about it. But 
if you were to watch your own film, you might not want your athletes to act the way that you were just acting. And so it's, it's a give and take and it's not easy because like I said, our coaches care and they want good things for their players. And so when you see it not working, it's an emotional time, but that might be the time that you pause and then you're like, all right, well, we'll talk about this at practice. Cause right now, not in a place to, to talk to you calmly. And that's, I think that's okay too. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I, I loved reading um, when I was looking into elite mindset was the priority that you put on an athlete's unique traits and at Strive, we push character driven leadership. And, and I think people may hear that and brush it off, but it's really important to understand that in order for you to be a leader, you need to be true to yourself. If you are trying to be a leader that is loud and outgoing, but your character is a, is a inside person who doesn't, isn't someone that uses a big voice or isn't someone that's yelling, you're not going to be successful. So why do you feel it's so important to specify that there is no one correct way to high performance, but instead it's, it's about embracing who you are in order to in order to achieve that high performance. Yeah, I mean, I think the goal really, when I work with athletes is for them to find their best, like their own personal best. And you're right, that's different for every single athlete and the pathway to that can be totally different. So there's not like a, a prescription or a dosage I can say, you know, hey, if you listen to this song before every game and if you do this and if you do that, then you're going to do great. It's like, no, it's way deeper than that. Like trying to help athletes explore actually like who they are, um, what they want in life, their vision um, is deep, meaningful work, right? It's like you're trying to ask a young person, 18, 22, like, like, who are you? Um, you know, what's your life philosophy? What is it that is important and matters to you? And the reason I think that, that that's the way to go is that it takes the least amount of emotional energy to be exactly who you are mm. and to be authentic. So if you're being authentic, then you're going to perform your best and you're going to be your best, but you can't be authentic until you actually take the time to figure out well, who really am I and what matters to me the most? So I might ask an athlete to, to identify four or five people in their life that they really respect or admire. And we'll go through who those people are, what do you admire about them? And they'll start to write that down and figure out what those characteristics are, that, you know, those character traits, as you say. And, and you start to really come down to three or four things that are like across people that jump off the page that are meaningful it's like okay being hardworking, and you know being compassionate um you know being generous with their time you know they'll find those things that are really powerful to them and then it's like okay if you can kind of gear your life and the way you live and your habits around those things you're gonna have a lot of success and and to your point it doesn't always mean being the loudest in the room it might, you might be someone who leads by showing, you know, by the work, right? Or by the quiet conversation in the corner when you notice somebody looks like they're sad, right? Um, so I do think, you know, that's the kind of work that I like to do with athletes. I think coaches who are able to know their athletes well and amplify the parts of their personality that are, that are really um, strengths are going to get the most out of their athletes. And it's no one, you know, it's not a one-stop shop. It's, there's not one way to do that. Um, and that takes work to do. 
you know. You just you took my breath away with the with the quote on how much emotional energy it takes to to be yourself. And I think especially with the age group that you're working in, also understanding that today this may be who you are, but then that may evolve as well. And that's okay and embrace that. I think if if people understood that it, it would the world would be a very <laughs> different place, myself yeah. included, you know, I spent a lot of time looking up to different people that weren't who I was and trying to imitate that. And, and it was tiring and it is exhausting. And, and I think that's why when we talk about representation mattering, now we see different types of leaders and we see different leadership traits that aren't the stereotypical loud person yelling at everyone or, or whatever your stereotype of a leader may be. Um, I did a session the other week with a student and, and her feedback after was like, oh, I, I guess I'm a leader now. And I was like, you, you've always been, you know, every single person has been a leader at one point or another. Leadership is not necessarily about changing the world, but it's those little moments here and there. But I think, I think that's so powerful. Um, I think it's funny. There are so many podcasts out there that all have the answer, you know, and, and I love that you said that there isn't necessarily one, there is no one right way to lead. What, if you can give an answer to coaches specifically around getting to know their players, what are some strategies that you recommend to coaches to help them through that process of really getting to know their players, maybe off the field and off the court as well? Yeah. A lot of coaches, first of all, are really scared to do that um, <laughs> because they, they are, they, they're afraid to cross a professional boundary or line. Mm. Um, however, I do think, um, you know, the generation of athletes that we're working with, they, they want that access. They want to know you and they want you to know them. And yep. they might not say that out loud, but I, I believe that's true. Everybody wants to be understood and known. Um, and if you are a coach who is purely talking about sport, um, and not caring about the athlete, you're going to become extinct like a dinosaur. And, th and that's that. Um, and so coaches wish that they could just coach, but that's not the job anymore. The job is much more than that. Um, so, uh, you know, there are all kinds of ways you can do that. I mean, first of all, you can model getting to know an athlete by sharing some of yourself, oh. you know, Oh, I really enjoy going fishing or like, I really love interior design and like doing projects on my house or, oh, this is my spouse so-and-so and these are my kids. And, you know, trying to become more than just a coach to your athlete is really powerful. And by sharing some parts of you or sharing some vulnerability with them, then that invites them to do the same and to reciprocate with you. And so some of it has to be modeled because they don't really know. They're like, oh, this is my coach. I don't really know how much I should say. And then I think it's really important for parents and for coaches to just talk to your athletes about things other than sport. Ask them questions about their life without being intrusive to, to you know, personal. Um, but, you know, things that interest them, that excite them. Um, I think those are really, really important conversations to have. And... I know it's really basic, but just asking them how they're doing, you know, how, <laughs> they're going to probably, their knee jerk response answer is going to be, Oh, I'm good. Yep. <laughs> but then you just say like, no, I'm like, how are you really doing? Like, how are things really going? And it's just that second invitation to be a little more open and um, a little more forthcoming shows that you're not just 
asking, you know, oh, how are you doing in a basic way? It's like, no, you actually want to know how are you actually doing? Yeah, I, I think all the time about how I wish we could get rid of the word good because it has become <laughs> such a crutch. And I think there are probably plenty of coaches that are like, well, I asked them and they just say they're good. And, and uh, creating that space to push and creating that space to maybe ask a more specific question. How are classes going? How like and and I don't think that that crosses a professional boundary. I think that you can it's a yes and again you can maintain your professional relationship with someone and know them as a human being or know them as a student. Most of the people that you're working with are student athletes so yeah. get to know that side of it. What are they majoring in? All of those things. Um, yeah. So as we close, I wanted to make sure this, this has been amazing and I could talk to you for a whole lot longer, but is there anything else you would like to share with our coaches network um, as we, as we continue to embrace a post COVID world and getting out of quite possibly one of the slumpiest years that a lot of us have seen? Yeah. I mean, look, I think depending where you coach, um, maybe some of you had your seasons this past spring and some didn't, but um, yeah, this year has been emotionally draining nationwide for all of us. It's been trying, um, that's for sure. And so I think, you know, working on compassion, sometimes giving breaks and all of those things, it doesn't mean your athletes are soft. It doesn't mean that you're going soft. It just means, you know, sometimes your return on investment will be higher if you give uh, the, the gift of time back to our athletes sometimes because they're overworked and they're burned out a lot of time. So there is that piece. But at the same time, I think most of our athletes wanna be challenged too. So being demanding is good. Having standards and having them play to standards is really important, um, but never being demeaning, never being harsh with the way you speak with your athletes. Um, you know, they're people they're human beings and you play an integral role in their life and their development and the things you say carry a lot of weight and the way that you say them so it's a privilege to be able to do that and to be in that position um and so yeah if you're really intentional and and, and make great effort to develop and cultivate those relationships i think you'll end up finding those athletes want to just run through walls for you and, and you're going to have a lot of success in your programs if you can be that kind of coach who's Who's that more transformational than transactional type of person? We've hit on a lot of strive lingo. Now, now I have oh, really? the next podcast. <laughs> we, we talk about that idea of transformational versus transactional. Yeah, yeah this has been incredible. And I think our, our coaches corner will really enjoy hearing, hearing all of the advice. So I appreciate it. And I, I hope to continue to work with you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Coach's Corner will be back on a monthly basis this summer, providing you with digestible resources for your coaching toolbox. Follow us on all socials at How You Lead Matters and contact us today if you are interested in a Strive workshop for your program. Thank you, everyone. See you next month.